Welcome to At The Root with Greg Kuiper. Hello, Greg. Hello, Stacy. How are you this week? I am doing well. We have so much to talk about. It's been two weeks since we last spoke, so there's much right. to discuss. Uh, in the meantime, if folks have a question, feel free to call into the studio. The number is 425 373 5527. And let me remind uh, our our listeners and introduce new listeners to who you are, Greg. Greg is a practicing psychotherapist and holistic life coach who has learned through professional practice and personal experience that without connection to self, real connection with others is near impossible because emotional connection is at the root of healthy living. So there you go. We, um, as I said, last time we spoke, we were, let's recap, we were talking about the critical loop and this idea of, I kept referring to it as like attack, defend, and, you know, trigger points and those kinds of things. Yeah. And um, we were talking about how when we stay in that loop, um, we're not able to have this secure foundation for a relationship. Right. For communication. Yep. Yep. Um, And it becomes about trying to get out of the, I mean, first it reminds me in a way of addiction, right? First you have to recognize that, Hey, this is happening and be aware of it. And then in order to get out of it, you have to retrain yourself and your impulse and that kind of thing. Um, and then it turns out that the drinking isn't the problem quite often. Sometimes it's really just symptomatic of what the deeper issue is. Right. And that's the case in this critical loop too, right? We, we, we find ourselves in this loop going back and forth between the two partners. And really it's, about something that's not even close to the real issue. There's, there's, each partner is triggering the other subconsciously to something deep in there that really hurts. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, you've um, basically you've thrown salt in the wound, right? Well, you are, and you don't even, you know, and the person that's getting triggered because this is subconscious emotional reaction, right? Doesn't even know they're being triggered they're just uh, reacting emotionally uh, the emotions are in our subconscious most of the time unless we consciously bring them forward and and so we're reacting and then that triggers the other person and they react and back and forth and back and forth before you know it it's a you know it could end up being a screaming match or whatever and then one person withdraws right and just says that's it i've had it and that causes more problems Right, which then takes me back to you have been discussing Charlotte and Steve, so that's the other thing, and you had talked about the initial appointment that you had with them and how that was just a volatile situation that was interesting for you to witness and certainly make sure that it was a safe space, and then how the second one you 
had them go back in time to when they first met and remembering what initially attracted them to each other and and to come together. And you gave them homework, which when, whenever you give them homework, I, it's like my homework. And the homework was to, instead of having you statements, you know, you always, mm-hmm. you you do this, you never do that. Instead, it is putting it on yourself. And I feel this and I feel that. So you had given them some homework. And then you mentioned that typically what happens next is you meet with the individuals. And I think that Charlotte chose to go first, if I recall correctly. She did. She did. So, yeah, today we'll, um, we'll review that individual session with Charlotte and, uh, See if we can kind of figure out her, the, the triggers that she is triggering in Steve and, and maybe even get a hint about what, what Steve is doing to trigger her. Mm-hmm. These emotions. Um, a lot of times it'll, um, I'll need to speak with both of them individually to, to get a better feel for that. But uh, I don't know. Are you, have you got any ideas so far about what you think might be these triggers might be? Well, I I feel like if I go back to earlier in the podcast and some of the conversations that we had, and we spent a lot of time talking about kids and talking about, you know, where things start and this idea of attachment and relationship Mm. to family of origin and that kind of thing. You know, naturally my knee jerk is um, to go then back to see what relationships were like. And if Charlotte is the one that is the um, attached and that, you know, the ex-boyfriend described her as needy, then I feel like perhaps maybe her needs weren't being met in her family of origin. Right, right, and that's that's right along with my thinking too. And, and look at me, you're rubbing off on me, Greg. Yeah, you know when we when 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 I get a chance to meet with them individually, we we learn a lot more. So let's go there. Let's just let's 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 review what happened when I met with Charlotte, uh, which is the next meeting. All right, and let's it, do it. Yeah, in that meeting, she um, she appeared to be much more relaxed, right, than in these prior sessions where Steve was present, and I often find that happens uh, when meeting individually. The tension of the relationship issues is not in the space as much, and uh, the partner is able to let down their guard, mm-hmm. not be as rehearsed, you know, and their behaviors and words. It's it's a little more me and, and the person rather than this other entity that triggers all the time. And... Uh, as we moved through the session, I noticed that um, she had some difficulty with eye contact. And I noticed that a lot of times when people have attachment issues. Whenever she spoke, she would look away or down at her lap. And then when I would say something to her, she would do the same, look away. And then occasionally she glanced back at me before averting her gaze again. And, and uh, this is a signal of, of uh, an attachment issue, uh, typically an anxious attachment issue. So... Um, does that mean that she is looking for a reaction that she's reading how, I, like, what does that I typically think, mean? 
Well, I think it's uh, looking away is like uh, um, not having to face what she thinks is coming. Okay, right? I see. Yeah, and so I begin by asking her, how, how were things between you and Steve this last week since we met? What were your interactions like, and did you talk about our session? And she replied, well, nothing has changed. Steve expressed doubts regarding this really being worth it. I told him he needed to give it a chance. And then she scoffed and said, I'm not sure he'll ever understand what he does to continually run down this relationship and to me. He just doesn't get it. I think he's scared that he's going to find it all out during these sessions. And what about you? Are you scared of anything as we go forward in these sessions? What do you mean, she asked. Are you worried about finding out anything about yourself or the part you play in the difficulties you two are having? Mm -hmm. No, I'm not. I've been doing everything I can to change him and the way he thinks and acts. Ooh. I have been over backwards to make our marriage work, and I continue to do so every day. So... I often witness, right, in these individual sessions, one or both of the partners not really having a clue of their responsibility in the, in the problems of the relationship, right? It's, it's, it's generally it's, it's her fault or it's his fault, and that ends up being a big part of the critical loop, the right. blame back and forth, right? So, so, so I ask her then, uh, give me an idea what if that's like for you. And she says... Uh, I have to tell him every day to spend time with the kids when he gets home. Just something before they go to bed. I've pretty much given up on him spending any quality time with me. But the kids, it's important. And lately, he's been working later and later. I swear he does this intentionally to stay away from us. I work too, you know, but I stop at 5 or 5.30. I have to. Somebody's got to feed us. And I want some time with the kids after their day. I ask and I ask for his help, and he just gets more distant and more distant. There's always an excuse, and the more I bring it up, the more excuses there are. It seems like I'm always reminding him of ways he could help out around here. So I said to her, you mentioned you think he is intentionally trying to stay away from you and the kids. Do you really believe that? And she jumps back in. I know it. Why would you not make an effort to be around your family? There is no effort. It's like he's given up. And that scares me. I can't sleep at night sometimes thinking about when he's going to leave us. And sometimes during my day, the anxiety rises to a point I can't handle. Like a panic attack, you mean? Yes. A friend taught me this breathing technique that she uses when it happens to her. I can call myself so I can get back to work when I do this. I'll text him during the day, over and over. And when he doesn't respond, I start to lose it. And then I keep testing until he finally replies. And it's always something short and snappy, which makes me feel worse and even more anxious. I try and I try to please him, and he just keeps turning away. I feel like... Well, I want to... Yeah, I wanted to know some more about her anxiety at this point, right? And, and, and see if we could trace it down a little bit. And 
So I said, tell me about this anxiety. Have you always been an anxious person? Even, you know, way back when you were a kid. And, and she replied, oh, yes. I was put in therapy when I was in middle school. And by now, I'm a pro. I, I take an antidepressant, which helps with the anxiety and the depression I find myself in. You know, I, I, I've been on something for as long as I can remember. So this certainly is a clue, right, of, of, of anxiety being present for a long time. Oh, um, totally. And I would just like to say, for anybody that has been following along with the trials and tribulations of Charlotte and Steve, I have Steve's voice in my head saying, you know, well, I feel like she nags me all the time. <laughs> Right. Is that right, a feeling? Right. That's one of the things he said. She's is the, is is nagging a, a feeling word because she nags me all the time. It was something like that, right? Right, and I'm like, you know, and the funny thing is, I reacted at the time like, you know, you jerk, Steve, and now I'm like, well, shoot, I'd be hiding behind work too <laughs> if I was being, you know, texted every five minutes. But anyway, let's, you right, know, right, right. that's here nor so, there. All right. So, so back into it here. I asked. What did you ask her? You, you've left me on a cliffhanger. Seems like it's always been there. I, I've never thought about it like this. And, you know, that happens a lot when, um, uh, when this has just been going on for years and years and years. And it's the automatic programming that we have in our subconscious, if you will, uh, we don't think about where the anxiety came from or that we're even anxious. It's just there and it's always been there. Right. Right. So I switch gears and I say, what are the earliest memories you have about your relationship with your mother? Not about your mother, but the relationship with your mother. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So she replies, she thought about it for a while. And I said, take your time. You know, because a lot of times they will say, well, my mother, it was good, it was fine, you know, and I want a little more than that. <laughs> right. Um, and, and, and I need to know about the relationship, not about the mother as a person. Right, right. So, so, so after you're saying it, she goes, oh, my. She was loving and kind when she was there. Lots of hugs, I remember. She worked a lot. Especially after my dad left us. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then I said, when did that happen? And she says, when I was six. He just went on one of his business trips and never came back. Well, that must have been a very difficult time for you and your mom. And then looking down at her lap, she said, it was. And life really never got much better. There it is. I asked her what she meant, right? And, and, and she said, mom never pulled out of it. She ended up working two jobs with crazy schedules, sometimes at night, other times during the day. I never knew when she would be around. When she was, it was happy. It was good. I loved it when she would tuck me into bed at night and sing to me. You know, she was always apologizing about not being there, and, and very emotional when she talked about it. Lots of tears. So I asked her, it sounds like you were on your own a lot. I was, she said, through the beginnings of some tears. 
she really tried to help me be around someone to look after me. You know, a friend's mother kind of took me in when she could after school and some weekends, but it just wasn't the same. And we didn't have any family close by, so it was really a strain on her, I know. I switched gears again. How about the earliest memories of your relationship with your dad? She didn't have to think much before she answered, I don't remember much. He was a salesman, I think. Always gone on business trips. When he was around, I never knew what to expect. He'd be fun and playful sometimes, and other times he'd be angry, fighting with mom. I remember he'd act like I was very special to him. You know, as I look back at it, I never felt that way. Yeah. So the dots are kind of starting to connect, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm no professional. However, there is definitely, you know, she has chosen somebody that is a bit like dad. She's terrified of Steve leaving and not hearing from him. She is trying to seems like make a childhood that's better for her kids but she's always on edge and always worrying i mean yeah always on edge always vigilant you know what i mean mm -hmm. wondering what's going to happen next and who's going to be there who's not going to be there do i have to take care of this myself no i don't know you know that's just wow very you know indicative of what we've been talking about with anxious attachment oh anxious yeah I mean, she. And someone grows up never knowing what to expect from a caregiver. And yep. Sometimes the caregiver is there, sometimes they're not. And also, the child never really knows what to expect when the caregivers are present, right? She, she talked about her dad. And, yeah. Um, uh, being an emotional wreck and then sometimes being happy. And, and think about how confusing this can be for a young child, right? Who needs. They need to rely on these caregivers for everything, and there's not much reliance or not much return for it anyway. Right. right. Well, and it's it's so hard because the food and shelter and those kinds of things, you know, that is the least of it. It's the other stuff. And right. so, you know, I think she said she was six when her dad dad left, which meant mom had to start working more, which means that she had this whole narrative of safety that she basically has kept up yeah. with this entire time, it seems like. Yeah. Well, when you're that young and feeling scared and lost with this uncertainty and confusion, right, you have to do something to cope. Not consciously, of course, because, I mean, they're just too young to figure that out yet. It's not possible. And what, and what could the child do, right? You, you can't trade your parents in for new models, you, right. you can't influence them to hope to get an upgrade, right? Right. Can't, can't leave. Yep. <laughs> can't leave. You're there. And so when when your care is unpredictable or intermittent, the child becomes really hypervigilant about any kind of slights, relational slights, or any kind of abandonment instances, right? The attachment system really amps up into overdrive, this fight, flight, freeze, hypervigilance. Um part of our nervous system. And they're always convinced that the abandonment is coming. 
right? And so they anticipate the inevitability of it. And subconsciously, this becomes the normal mode of operation for years. Yeah, wow. In your adult relationships, they often right, feel sad, disappointed, or angry before anything actually happens. Reassurance and consistency are at the top, so their needs less. And so the session with Charlotte is drawing to a close by this time, right? And I, I don't want to leave her hanging with the, this probing about her childhood experiences with her mom and dad. So sure. I, I, want, I want to kind of bring it around before I say, okay, that's <laughs> We're out of time. <laughs> We're out of time. So sorry we can't talk about these terrible childhood experiences anymore right now. Um, yeah, it's not a good way to end it. Yeah, so, not so much. So I said to her, you know, Charlotte, think about how uncertain life was for you when you were a child. Life was so unpredictable, and it's, it's perfectly normal for a child to develop coping mechanisms and defenses for getting through day-to-day -day life. And then what happens is that subconsciously, these coping methods become automatic. If you live in that uncertainty for years growing up, the coping mechanisms become natural. And they become normal to you. It's the way you live every day, day to day. Mm -hmm. Now, 30 years later, you're still operating day to day in that subconscious autopilot mode. Mm -hmm. Living on eggshells every day. Hypervigilant about any upsets in the relationship or any hint of abandonment from Steve. And you can find plenty of them. You come across to him as a very needy, person. And the two of you get into your critical loop, right? His aloofness and apparent to you, he doesn't care, triggers your abandonment feelings from your childhood. And your neediness then, as you claw back, triggers his aloofness. And it just goes on and on. So I hope you can you can get a feel for what I'm talking about. And um, this loop is something that the, the two of you can break out of. And it just takes some, some awareness and some practice. And we'll get into all that. Was she just able to see it? It's totally doable. You know. What did you say? Um, was she, could she see it? Yeah, you know, she was really got reflected, right? So, and, 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 was quiet for a little bit. She goes, you know, this is just really overwhelming. Uh, I've been doing this for years. And then she, yes, I can see it now. Just yeah. kind of falling together. You so, so consciously a lot because she's starting to question that. And, um, Uh, and, and it just, I could tell it wasn't just with Steve, but other relationships too, right? That she's been in, even with some friends, she started just mulling us over. You could see the wheels turning mm -hmm. inside, right? Mm -hmm. So I imagine that uh, as she becomes more aware of it, she is probably going to beat up on herself and feel terrible about it. Um, however, it's, you know. Yes, and this is the perfect time to be 
working on this with somebody other than her couples therapist. Um, and uh, of course, I'd work in conjunction with that person uh, if she'd allow. Right. Um, and then I told her, we've got to end today. It's probably best if you don't get into this too much with Steve until after I've had a chance to meet with him. There's always a chance here that the critical loop can really explode if she goes into, I told you so, or those kind of things. Um, but Charlotte, I wanted to put this into your awareness for you to think about over the next couple of weeks until we meet again together. I'm going to ask again that you don't beat yourself up about these realizations, but treat, treat them with curiosity and wonder, right? We're trying to figure this out together and realize that this is all subconscious and... Well, it's just the first step. We're figuring this out. And we've got a group. So until we meet again, here's some homework for you. I always like to give them a little homework. Yep. See if you can become aware of these anxieties when they happen. Just notice them and feel them and name them, right? This is the first step in taming these feelings. Just notice them when they come up. Name what it is. This is anxiety I'm feeling. And, and be with it. Allow yourself to feel it before you move on. Too often we, we detour around naming it and just keep going and then it takes over, right? And, and we're not in control of what's going on. Right. So. Wow. I mean, we're almost out of time. And that was kind yeah. of like edge of my seat. It explains so much about charlotte which i had a feeling it was going to um i assume next week we get to find out what happened with steve am i correct yeah yeah we're going to see if we can locate where his triggers and some of this emotional disconnect originated maybe he's got mommy issues and she's got daddy issues but i'm oversimplifying okay um <laughs> in the meantime we have got to go uh if people are curious about connecting with greg they can do so at kuipercounseling.com. You can also check out Kuiper Counseling on Instagram and Facebook. And uh, Greg, you always have great advice. Share it once again. Just stay aware out there, everyone. See you next week. Awesome.